It is a, a joy and it is a, a deep privilege to not only be with you here at New Beginnings, but to be with you on this special occasion. And even if I wasn't involved like I am, it would be special to be here, but it is a privilege to be participating in this dedication. When Graham first asked me to do this, my first feeling was one of, wow, what a privilege. And that was immediately followed by a second feeling, one of, ow, what a responsibility. But I think it's more of a privilege than anything else, so thank you so much. I'm going to invite Graham and Nicola forward, and uh, of course you need to bring Bethany with you. <laughs> She's critical to all of this. And then also Nathan and Rachel are going to come forward as well. And just as they're coming, I want to just explain something of what we are about uh, to do this morning. Uh, There's no mandate in the Bible. There's no stipulation that says we have to have a special ceremony like this. But we do see examples in the Bible of parents dedicating their children to the Lord. And a very famous example of that in the Bible is Hannah. Hannah brings her little boy Samuel to the temple and she dedicates him to the Lord. She hands him over to God and she says, Lord, this child is yours. There's three things that we're going to be doing in this uh, dedication this morning. The first thing is we're going to thank God. That's maybe the chief thing. We're going to acknowledge this morning that Bethany is a gift from God's hand. Children are not a right but a gift and that's an interesting point because if our children are a gift from God then it also means they are a stewardship they're ultimately not ours we don't own our children our children belong to God and we want to thank him for that today the second thing we're going to do this morning is not only thank God but we're going to ask God we're going to come to the King of Kings and we're going to petition him this morning and we're going to pray above all That through the gospel, through the working of God's grace, that Bethany will come to acknowledge Jesus as her own Lord and Saviour in due time. There's so many things we could pray for this morning. But we're not going to pray that she would be rich. We're not going to pray that she would be successful, though that would be nice. But we're going to pray that she will be Christ's and that she will be saved. And that surely must be our chief prayer this morning. So we're going to thank God, we're going to ask God. And the third thing we're going to do is we're going to promise before God. And this might sound a strange thing to say, but actually praying is not enough. Praying is not enough because although God is sovereign, although God is in control of all things and he doesn't need us, the wonder of it is that God chooses to use means in fulfilling his purposes. God uses parents and he uses grandparents and aunts and uncles He uses the church family and he saves little children like this through the Sunday school teacher, through the aunt, through the uncle, through the friend who takes time to share the word of God with this child. I don't know if this is a very flattering picture for you both, but Graham and Nicola, you're the hub of the wheel. You're the the hub. You're the core of Bethany's discipleship. You have the chief responsibility to teach her the things of God. But the rest of us, the friends and family, we're the spokes on the wheel. That's maybe not very flattering, but that's our job. We're there to support them in their work. They're the core disciples, but we're the, we're the spokes. We're supporting them. And we're seeking to also share the gospel with Bethany. So as we come uh, to this 
act of dedication this morning. I'm going to ask two questions. The first question is to Graham and Nicola, the parents. And then the second question then will be to all of you. So, Graham and Nicola, in presenting Bethany to the Lord, do you promise in dependence upon God's grace and in partnership with the church to teach her the truths of the Christian faith, to bring her up in the training and instruction of the Lord and to encourage her to accept Christ as Saviour through the work of the Holy Spirit? We do. Family and friends, would you please uh, stand just for a moment? And I'm going to ask you a question. Because, as we've said, you're the spokes, you're supporting this ministry of discipling uh, Bethany and the other children, indeed. And so I'm going to ask you a question, and uh, Bethany's woken up for it now, that's good. (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question, and if you're in agreement with this, if you want to make this pledge and this promise, then would you respond, we do. Family and friends, do you promise, in dependence upon God's grace, to support Graham and Nicola in their task of teaching Bethany the truths of the Christian faith and to pray for her spiritual welfare. We do. Okay, this is a challenging bit. Bethany, come over here. Come over here. It's a good kettle. Come over here. Mummy and Daddy's right there. Okay, we're going to just pray. Okay? Right, let's all pray together. Let's pray. Father, we want to praise you this morning that you are the giver of life. We thank you for Bethany's life. We thank you for her safe delivery and for the joy that she's already brought to the family. We pray for your continued protection upon her in these early days. And we pray not only that she will develop physically and emotionally, but Father, above all, we pray that she will develop spiritually. May she grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, that one day Bethany will come to that point where she trusts in the Lord Jesus as her Saviour. We ask, Lord, that you would give grace not only to her, but also to her parents, that they would bring her up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. Bless her family and friends as well, and help us to play our supporting role in teaching her the Gospel. Father, we dedicate Bethany to you as Hannah did of old when she dedicated Samuel to the Lord. We dedicate Bethany into your hands that you would use her for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bethany, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord shine his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Just a little something uh, to present Bethany with today. New Beginnings Church dedication and thanksgiving for Bethany, Eleanor, Sarah Adams. And it has the information about the day. And there's a verse from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 5 to 7. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I want to direct your attention this morning, just for a few minutes, to Psalm 90. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn there. And if not, you can just listen um, as I read Psalm 90 this morning. This is a very appropriate psalm as we come to the end of a year, as we come to a, a junction in time. The psalm is all about time, it's all about numbering our days, 
aright. So let's read it together. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what is time? What is time? It's one of those philosophical uh, questions, I suppose. What is time? I wasn't sure, so I looked it up in the dictionary. And this is what the dictionary said. Time, a non-spatial continuum in which events occur in a partly irreversible succession from the past through the present to the future. Now, if you understood that, could you explain it to me afterwards? Again, I ask, what is time? We know that time exists. Uh, Time is something that we all experience, and yet it's hard for us to define and yet we see it evidenced in the seconds in the minutes in the hours in the days in the months and in the years it's evidenced in the day and in the night it's evidenced in the changing of the seasons it's evidenced sadly in the graying of our hairs and in the balding of our heads and this psalm is a psalm all about time It's a psalm about understanding time. It's a psalm about redeeming time. It's a psalm about using the time of our lives with wisdom. You see, none of us has an infinite amount of time. If only it were so. But we only have 24 hours in a day. And we only have 365 days in a year. And whether we live to the age of 50 or 115, the fact is we have a finite length to our lives. Our time is limited. 
And this psalm is about grasping that and living in light of that. It's about understanding the sovereignty of God, the brevity of life, and how to live a life of wisdom. So I want to focus on the last few verses of this psalm. It's a long psalm. I'm not going to preach all of it this morning. But I want to focus on the conclusion to the psalm. But just briefly, let me give you a little bit about the first two-thirds of the psalm. In the first two-thirds of this psalm, Moses basically talks about two great truths. The first great truth is that God is eternal. God is everlasting. One of the things the psalmist says in verse 2 is he says, Before the mountains were born, or the earth was brought forth, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now just think about the mountains. Nothing seems older than the mountains. Nothing seems more ancient than the mountains. And yet this verse tells us, verse 2, that before the mountains were born, before they existed, before they were created, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Verse 4 also says something interesting. It tells us this, that 1,000 years in God's sight is like a day gone by. Some of you probably know a bit of Bible trivia And you might know who the oldest man was who ever lived. Does anybody know? Who was the oldest man who ever lived? Methuselah. Does anyone know how long Methuselah lived? 969 years. Now, take 969 years. I'm sure we would say that's a long life. Round it up. What do you get? A thousand years. And it's almost as if Moses says, let's take the longest life imaginable. Let's take 969 years. Let's round it up to a thousand. What is that life in relation to God? One thousand years is like a day in God's sight. Think how quickly this day will pass. That's a thousand years to a God who is eternal. So the first great truth is that God is eternal. Here's the second great truth in the first part of the psalm. Man is temporal. God is everlasting. We are finite. And the psalmist uh, here, Moses, he spares nothing as he describes the brevity of life. He, He speaks about the fact that we're like grass. In the Middle East, sometimes grass would spring up in the morning because of the dew on the ground. And by the evening it would be withered because of the baking sun. And he says that's like our life. It's like grass. Springs up in the morning. Flourishes for a little while. But by the evening it's gone. 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. That is the the bare reality of our lives. So there's these two great truths. God is everlasting. We are temporal. And in light of these two things... What we see at the end of the psalm is Moses then falling on his knees as a finite man praying to an infinite God. And we see at the end of the psalm how we should pray to God. If God is eternal and if our lives are brief, here are some of the things that we should be praying to God for as we come to the turn of another year. And so I want to briefly uh, just outline the five Petitions that Moses prays for. 
I'm going to just say a little bit about each of them. But I want you to take these five things away. And I want you to use these in your own prayer life over the next week or so. As you pray for God's help as you come into this new year. So first of all, uh, Moses prays for wisdom. Remember when Solomon was asked by God, uh, Solomon, what do you want? Imagine God asked you that question. And Solomon said, Lord, give me wisdom. And that's the first thing that Moses prays for in verse 12. He says, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. Because if I have wisdom, then I'll number my days aright. Now, what does that mean? That doesn't simply mean that we'll count the number of our days or we'll estimate the the length of our lives. It means rather that we'll live our lives with an understanding of the brevity of it. That we'll live our lives wisely and carefully and skillfully. That we'll make the most of each and every day and each and every opportunity. You see, many people in our world, they're, they're living life as if they're going to live forever. They're living life as if there's no end in sight. Um, I'm not a big fan of of, um, chart music, or at least I don't listen to a lot of it. But I I heard a song a couple of weeks ago, which was a hit last year, apparently. Wikipedia told me. And uh, the the song is called Titanium. And the chorus says this. The chorus says, shoot me down and I'll not fall. I am titanium. And I was thinking, you know, it's interesting how that reflects on our culture. Because that's how people think, isn't it? Particularly younger people. Whatever life throws at me, whatever life hits me with, I'm made of titanium steel. I'm invincible. You know what? It simply isn't true. It simply isn't true. We're not titanium. We're human. We're human. We're fragile. Just go visit a hospital. And you'll see that that is true. And so in light of that, we need to pray for wisdom. We need to pray that we would understand that we have a brief life and that God wants us to make the absolute most of it. Graham and Nicola, pray every day that you will live that day with wisdom. That you will make the most of that day in your parenting. That you will make the absolute best of it. Because you'll never get that day back again. And we all need to pray that. There are many people living life, but there are few people living life with wisdom. So first of all, pray for wisdom. Secondly, second thing to pray. Pray for compassion. Pray for compassion. Look at what Moses says in verse 13. Relent, O Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. This psalm is the only psalm written by Moses. Moses probably wrote this psalm during the wilderness wanderings. If you know anything about Israel's history, you'll know that Moses' entire generation, they died under the judgment of God. They they died in the desert. It was a graveyard. And in light of this, in seeing God's judgment on sin, in seeing that there's a holy God who judges sin, who has judged his entire generation, look at what Moses prays. He says, Lord, relent. How long will it be? Show compassion. On your servants. You see the truth is that a holy God is angry with a sinful world. 
The truth is that God isn't happy with human beings because of their sin, because they've broken God's laws. They've rejected him as their creator and as their king. And yet the anger of God is not the whole story. Moses understands that. The mercy of God is the other side of the story. And the wonderful truth of the gospel is this, that the God who is angry at my sin has pity on my suffering. The God who should rightly judge me is the same God who shows compassion to me. The greatest expression of that, of course, was the giving of Jesus. What compassion God showed. Paul says that God was rich in mercy to those who were objects of his wrath. In fact, on the cross, God did not spare his own son in order to spare you and me. God's justice fell on Jesus and God's mercy fell on us. What is it the hymn says? He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and he suffered and died alone. And because of that amazing sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. Our guilt is removed if we will turn from our sins and put our trust in Jesus Christ. That's what you should pray for as we come to the turn of a year. Whether you're a Christian today and you want to come afresh to God and just fall upon his mercy because you still sin. Or whether you come as someone who has never been forgiven of your sin. And say, Lord, I'm under your anger. I'm under your judgment. And I need to be under the mercy of your son's cross. There's an old saying by that guy who seems to write a lot of things. He's called Anonymous. And Anonymous says this, life is short. Death is sure. Sin the cause. Christ the cure. Third thing. Third thing he prays for. Moses also prays for satisfaction satisfaction. Now this almost seems out of character with the rest of the psalm. Um, Some of you, when you send text messages, you put on those emoticons. My wife is always doing this and she had to teach me how to get these faces on. Um, If we were to put an emoticon, a face on this psalm, it would be the sad one. It would be the, the depressed looking person. And yet the amazing thing is this, as we come near the end of the psalm, uh, Moses prays for a smiley face. Moses prays for joy in the Lord. He says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Isn't this amazing? Having considered the brevity of life, the reality of death, Moses prays that in such a world he can sing For joy. You know it is possible. To live with a settled joy. In a sad world. How is it possible? It is possible. When the thing that satisfies your soul. Is God's unfailing love. It's possible to rejoice. Even in the midst of difficulties in life. When you're rejoicing. In the unfailing love of your saviour you can even sing in the middle of a storm you can even celebrate under the canopy of a dark cloud you know one of the great privileges I have as a pastor 
is to come alongside church members who are going through valleys, who are living under dark shadows of providence. And I find so often that I am ministered to by those who are suffering. You realise it should be the other way around, you know. The pastor should minister to the sufferer. But so often the sufferer ministers to the pastor. Because to see a brother or sister literally singing in the darkest circumstance. Singing in the hospital bed. To see them requesting that you read them from the Psalms. To see their strong faith and their resolute joy in trouble. What a blessing. What a ministry to my own soul. I want to be someone like that. Don't you? Don't you when you're in the hospital bed? Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we can be always happy. We live in a sad world full of sad things. The people who always go around grinning like Cheshire cats are probably detached from reality. But there is such a thing as a settled joy in a sad world. There is such a thing as rejoicing in the Lord when you can rejoice in nothing else. Let's pray with Moses that this year we will rejoice in the Lord. That's the third prayer. Fourthly, we pray, or we should pray, for revelation. And look at verse 16, and I think you're going to find this, this helpful, all of us, but particularly perhaps William and Nicola. Moses prays in verse 16 that God's deeds will be shown or revealed to your servants. That's Moses' generation. And your splendor to their children. So Moses prays, try and follow this, he prays that God's mighty deeds will be revealed to his generation, the adult generation. And to his children's generation. Now here's the thing about God. God outlasts every generation. Okay? God was around in the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th centuries. He outlasted them all. But here's the amazing thing about God. He outlasts every generation, but he reveals himself in every generation. He reveals himself to every generation. And... Here's Moses, and he's praying that God will reveal his mighty deeds to him and to his contemporaries. And also to his children. If you are a parent here this morning, if you're a grandparent, if you teach children in the Sunday school, if you disciple young people, this should be your prayer. Lord, show us your mighty deeds. So that we are amazed. So that we are enthralled by your works. That's where we've got to start. There's no use just praying for our children. Lord make our children excited about the Lord Jesus. If we're not excited about the Lord Jesus. How will they ever be? So we actually need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for the adults. That God would reveal himself to us. And then Lord. Open their little lives. And help them to see you're real. We can't do it. We can teach your word, but only you can reveal your glory. Nothing is more important in our lives. We can leave our children with money. We can leave them with a material legacy. But most important is that we leave them with the gospel. We can't do any more, and we mustn't do any less. Fourth thing. Fifth and final thing this morning. 
The fifth thing Moses prays for is he prays for God's favour. He prays for God's favour. May the favour of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us, Yes, establish the work of our hands. Now, here's how Moses ends the psalm. This is how he finishes. This is the last thing he prays for. He prays that God will bless the work of his people. He prays that God will bless the work of our hands. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure this church here um, is a busy church. I'm sure that as you look ahead to 2013, there's lots and lots of work that is planned uh, for you to be doing. There'll be evangelism, I'm sure. There'll be teaching. There'll be uh, Sunday schools. There'll be the coffee shop. There'll be so many things that will be taking up your time. Um, And I tell you that every church is the same. You know, even as I think of... In fact, I don't even want to think about it. But, you know, when I go back to Balamani, there's a year's uh, worth of hard work ahead. And that's a good thing. Because we're meant to be busy. The Lord doesn't, isn't going to return and reward lazy servants, but faithful servants. But here's something that I need to remember. And here's something that you need to remember. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. My planning, my preaching, my visiting, my evangelizing, my everything will not succeed unless God is in it. That's the bottom line. We might as well do nothing than do everything in our own strength. So let's do this. Let's pray on the brink of this new year that whatever our hands set out to do, God will bless the work of our hands and God will establish the work for us. Graham and Nicola, with regards to your parenting, pray that whatever your hand sets to do, whether it's to open a Bible and teach a Bible story, whether it's to send your kids to a Christian camp, whether it's answering their difficult questions, pray that God will bless that work in the way that only he can. And so here we have the fifth prayer, a prayer for favour on the work of our hands. Let's take these prayers. Let's use these prayers. Let's put these prayers into practice. Let's pray for wisdom. Let's pray that we'll know God's compassion and mercy. Let's pray for satisfaction and joy in the Lord this year, even if we can't rejoice in our circumstances. Let's pray for a fresh revelation of God. Let's pray that we'll see him for who he is and that our children will see him for who he is. And let's pray that whatever our hands set out to do, that the Lord will bless the work of our hands. Let us pray. Our God and our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have known your presence with us today. We thank you above all, Father, that you are a good and a kind and a merciful God. Father, when we look at the sin in our own hearts, as we look back over the year and we see things that we're disappointed in as we look at ourselves, Father, we thank you that we come to a God who is so merciful that he planted a cross in the ground and he nailed his son to it. Father, we pray that you would help us to see the greatness of your love towards us. And Father, we pray then that you would give us wisdom 
as we would seek to serve the Lord Jesus. Give us all a fresh revelation of who you are and who Jesus is. And help us then to share him with others. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.